Everybody say, hey, Jeff. Jeff is the uh, Central Illinois Area Coordinator. That's good. Nailed it. Oh, hey, I'm on. Yes, you are. Uh, For uh, a ministry called the Crescent Project. Um, And if you haven't been keeping up with the Hype Facebook page, we're starting a four-week, I guess, series, teaching series, something like that, dialogue. How about that? about um, how to have conversations with people of the Muslim, uh, with Muslims, people of the Islam faith, okay? You'll hear those words interchanged. So I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to give it to Jeff. One more time. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. <clears throat> Hi. Um, this, is, this is exactly what I hoped it would be, a yes. little bit too high. Somebody's going to stay here. Like I'm a little kid at like the, the bar in the, in the, not at the bar, at, what do you call it? It's a bar in your house too, right? You have like in the kitchen and you're a little too small for the stool. Breakfast table counter, counter, counter. Thank you. This is what I'm going to need tonight. Um, okay. So we're, I'm not going to sit there. That's that's so awkward. Um, this is, so Eric asked me if I wanted to sit or stand. I said, I don't know. Now I know. Um, okay. So we're going to be talking about um, Islam. Yes. Is it? Hmm. Well, maybe. Oh, okay. So, um, we're going to be talking about Islam. Now you probably will not be able to say Islam because you probably have said Islam, Islam, um, any other variation of Islam, but that's okay. I'm only just saying it that way because that's the way that um, Muslims say it, which is another word that you probably won't be able to say correctly, Muslim. You'll probably say Muslim, Muslim, Muslim. It's okay. Um, We're from the Midwest. We don't say things correctly. Um, We have San Joes and we have Des Plaines, neither of which do we say correctly. Um, I don't know if you know Des Plaines is a French word. It should be de plan or something like that from your nose. And San Jose definitely is San Jose because that's what it is in California. It's San Jose, California. Um, Anyway, that's my beef with Illinois, which we say wrong, but still don't pronounce the S. It should be Illinois, but it's beside the point. So we're going to be talking about Islam and Muslims. Muslims are people that um, practice the faith of Islam. So Islam is a religion. A Muslim is a person who follows Islam, okay? Islam is a religion. Can you say that? Islam is a religion. (laughs) You can't say it. It's funny. That's good. And Muslims uh, are people. Islam is a religion and Muslims are people. Um, That is not the lesson for tonight, but I just wanted to let you know what we're talking about. Um, All right, so I want to tell you a little about who who I am and why I care about Muslims, because um, you'll quickly find out there's not really a good reason for that. Um, So this is my story. He's he's good. Um, Okay, so I grew up in Pekin, Illinois. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, If you know anything about Pekin, you know of of its reputation for um, diversity, right? So anyway, I grew up in Peak, and I went to a gigantic high school, um, and there was only one shade of person at the high school, okay? It was just, Pekin is very closed-minded. It's getting better, but it it just always was, okay? So um, I didn't know anyone from any different background other than my own growing up, okay? Um, I went to 
Bible College in Arizona, there were 250 students at my college. How many students are at Eureka High School? So there are more students at Eureka High School than at my college that I went to. Um, again, not a very diverse climate to um, go to school, and I didn't have a very well-rounded um, education because of that. But that's okay. Um, because in 2008, um, my wife and I, I'm married. That's, that's a, that's a, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> this guy got married. Uh, I've been married for almost 10 years now. I've got two kids. But before we had kids, um, we moved to Jordan, which is in the Middle East. Um, I'm going to show you a map of the Middle East later so you can actually figure out what I'm talking about because you're from the middle of Illinois, um, and that's pretty much all that we know here. I know that. So I moved to the Middle East with my wife. Um, we sold our house. We kind of raised a little bit of money. We went to go volunteer for four months kind of on our own. We knew two people that lived in the Middle East, and we moved there. This is not advisable. This is just what I did. Okay. Um, so we moved there to go volunteer. And while I was there, I was volunteering at um, an English center, teaching English as a second language. It's a second language because in the Middle East, the first language is Arabic. Um, I was learning Arabic. I was teaching English. Um, and one night, I was interacting with a kid. His name is Mahmoud. Now, you probably heard me say Mahmoud, and that's okay. I didn't. Um, his name is Mahmoud, and you can't do that because it's not English. It's... <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm talking to Mahmoud, and he is, yeah, it's hard. I'm, you're going to learn a lot of Arabic with me. Um, so he's a little bit taller than me, so he's average height. Um, he's got pale skin, braces. He's 21 years old. He speaks with a raspy, high-pitched voice, kind of like something out of the Godfather movies, like he is the Godfather. And um, he's talking to me um, after we had this awkward dialogue um, session. Um, he asked me about how he could find spiritual peace. Now, this isn't just out of the blue. We were having a conversation about that before. And I said to Mahmoud, because I'm really good at this, I said, I have no idea how you're going to find spiritual peace. That was my response. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then, so the words came out of my mouth. And then I was like, but I could tell you how I find spiritual peace. Like, why did I say I don't know? Um, because I have an idea for me. But anyway, so he's like, okay. Um, so we sat down at a table. He didn't trust that I could tell him, I don't think, at that point. So we sat down at a table at the English Center. Now, all of the students here are Muslim, um, and they are... <laughs> I know, you can practice, it's good. Um, so all of the students are Muslim, and we're surrounded by students. Um, things you don't know about the Middle East. In the Middle East, you can't, um, at least in Jordan, you aren't allowed to proselytize, which is a big word for evangelize, or talk, um, try to convert a Muslim to Christianity, specifically. Okay? So, framework. Sitting down at a table, talking to Mahmoud. And I, I started talking to him about all kinds of things that I was learning, so I was talking to him about Adam and Noah and Abraham and how Jesus shows up in their stories and how God's been writing this big story throughout all of history to redeem all of mankind. It's all this really great stuff. And at the same time, I'm feeling really uncomfortable because I'm surrounded by people who at any point could go and tell on me and could get me kicked out of the country. So I said to Mahmoud, I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable because honesty is the best policy. And he said, I said, would you mind if we go up to my apartment? And he said, okay. So I was like, that's weird. So <laughs> we went up to my apartment, and I got my Bible out. I started flipping to different things. I don't know if I've read all of them or not. I just reading stuff. Um, no idea what I'm doing. And I came to a, a verse, 
in Galatians chapter 3, and it says there's, ne there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female, but we're all one in Christ Jesus, heirs according to the promise given to Abraham. I read this to him, and his eyes teared up, and he said, this is good news. Everyone needs to hear this. I, every single time. Now, the, I've told this story about 25 to 30 times, and or 100, and every time I get tingles in my back when I say the words that he said, because he, he, he heard the gospel, and he identified it as good news, which is what it means. And so here's a Muslim guy who hears the gospel, and he tells me that it's good news for everyone, and his everyone is Muslims. That changed my life. I know it changed his life a little bit, bit by bit, but it totally changed my life and my perspective on almost everything. Because I grew up in Pekin, and I grew up in a Christian home, and I knew that the gospel was good news, but I didn't understand. I knew it was good for me because it meant I could go to heaven. And that's it. It was just kind of basic, which is good, but it's not everything. And so Mahmoud, who heard it for the first time, said, that's good news. Changed my life. It made me want to get in front of people and tell them some things that I learned about that conversation that I had with Mahmoud, why he identified with what I was talking about, and maybe why he called it good news. So um, that's who I am. That's why I care about what I'm doing. So um, <coughs> I also have a cold, and maybe allergies on top of that. So I've got um, allergold, allergold, a colergies, um, colergies. I've got colergies, cold allergies. Um, okay, so what I'm hoping to do over the next four weeks is to um, help you understand a group of people that's um, 1.5 billion strong um, in the world, help you understand where they come from, like where they are coming from as well. Does that make sense? So where they are and where they are inside too. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're hoping to do that because you someday might not live in Eureka. You might always live in Eureka, but you might not. And you might go off to college when you graduate from high school, and you might study something like engineering or biology or physics or something like that. You might want to become a doctor, and you might have a lab partner or a roommate or a person that's in your class that's a Muslim. And you can either not know anything and think that they're scary at worst or avoid them, you know, or you could engage in that relationship and see that, see that as a possibility for an actual valuable relationship with that person. So that's why I'm doing this for you. Okay. But the first thing that we have to do is we have to replace fear with love. And you might not feel this as much as maybe your parents do. Um, hi parents, if you're listening to the podcast, my name's Jeff. Um, <clears throat> lots of people in America, I don't know if you've noticed, are afraid of Muslims. Have you noticed that? Because Muslims keep doing crazy things, right? <laughs> um, like the two guys that bombed the Boston Marathon most recently, like a month ago. Um, they were both Muslim. So we equate Muslim with killing, terrorism, that kind of thing, right? And when that's your framework for who a person is and where they're coming from, it's really hard to not be afraid of them. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. So what, what we need to do is we need to replace that fear with love. 
Um, now, we can't do that, obviously, but I'm going to do my best to try and help you to get there, okay? So um, I think that this all goes back to our understanding of our story as human beings. So I'm going to start there. I'm going to stay here really shortly, and then we're going to get into some stuff about Islam. So the story, where does, okay, where does the story of human history start in your Bible? Genesis chapter, good. You are very, very astute young people. Um, yes, the beginning of the story starts in the very first book, in the very first chapter. Yes, um, in that first chapter of Genesis, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates all kinds of other stuff and good things, and it calls everything good, incidentally. And he calls, he, he creates man and woman, and he calls them good. Very good, actually. Even better. Very good. So he says all of creation is good, and then we are very good. Okay, so then Genesis goes on. Genesis chapter 2 kind of tells you where to find Eden. If you want to find it, there's directions to Eden in Genesis chapter 2. And you can't go in, though, because at the end of chapter 3, you find out why. There's, there's an angel with a flaming sword that's guarding it. Um, but if you wanted to try and find Eden, it's somewhere. Um, that's Genesis chapter 2. And then Genesis chapter 3, there's this fruit of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Eve eats from it, and Adam eats from it. And at that point, the relationship is broken between God and man. Have you heard all of this before? Okay, so the story, I'm going to repeat that. The story begins with humans are created, and they're very good. And then we get to chapter 3, and our relationship with God is broken. And for the rest of human history, it's been broken. Okay? So what I want to challenge you to do, and this is hard and nerve-wracking for me to say, um, is to try to look at people as very good first, before you look at them as sinners, who they are, okay, um, to identify people as very good. When you look at someone as very good and sinful, um, that's important, um, you can start a relationship based on something that is good as opposed to something that is negative. Does that make sense? It might be crazy talk, and you can throw it out if, you, if it is. That's, that's one caveat. I'm going to tell you something. So I'm going to say some things that are challenging and you might disagree with. And I want, to, I want to invite you to disagree with me. And I want to ask you to allow me to challenge you. And if I'm wrong, I'm open to being wrong because I'm from Pekin. We're wrong a lot about, about a lot of things. So, um, all right. So I want to ask you a question. What do you know about Islam? What have you heard? They're, they worship in a mosque, yes. Yeah. It's similar to Christianity. Interesting word. Okay. Anything else? Sorry. I do, this is my dramatic drink. Yes. They read the Quran. Yeah. That's good. They do. Well, try to. Yes. They fast, yes. Anything else? Has anyone heard of anything um, negative? Go ahead. You don't have to have a negative one. You can just tell me. Sure. Yeah. So they have to visit Mecca once in their life. Yeah. Terrorism. Terrorism. You've heard that associated with Islam. Sure. Yeah. Five. But you're close. Yes, they do. So three is yeah, is true. 
but it's not fully true. Yeah. They grow excellent beards. Yeah. That is interesting. We will, I will, I'm going to actually talk about a little bit about that tonight, but not exactly. But you're close on something. You're hitting on something that is important to know. Yeah. Allah, yeah. So the, their name for God is Allah, or Allah, the way that we say it, right? Yeah. Jesus and Mary were both prophets. Jesus and Mary were both prophets. That's weird. <laughs> True, but weird, yeah. They read the Quran, yeah. Okay, so you know some things. So do you, do you, study, do you study a little bit about Islam in school? Yes. You have like a chapter or something, a unit in history? Okay, um, that's good. And you paid attention, which is interesting, because I'm not sure if we, I got taught anything about Islam in history class when I was your age, um, but I'm an old guy, so I mean, that's not surprising. Um, all right, so first, picture. See that? Okay, so there's, a, there's, a big, there's two big orange countries. That's unfortunate. Okay, so there's an orange country on the right that is Saudi Arabia. Have you heard of that place? Saudi Arabia, there's a lot of oil there, okay? A lot of the oil that all of us use in our cars comes from Saudi Arabia. Now, right in the upper left-hand spot of, there's like this uh, kind of hatchet-looking country. Do you see it? Kind of looks like a hatchet. Just above Saudi Arabia to the left. It's connected to it. That's Jordan. That's where I lived, okay? Just to place you where I was. Um, Directly to the left of the hatchet-looking country is um, Israel, in Palestine. Okay, so do you know where we're talking about? Is that a good picture? Okay. Okay, so we're getting into some history. Don't shut off because this is really interesting and helps inform everything about Islam, in my opinion. Okay, so the big orange country, Saudi Arabia, that is where um, Islam began. Okay, this big orange country is where Islam began. Um, what was happening during the time... Um, that Muhammad, who's the founding prophet of Islam, um, when he was born, this is what was going on in the Arabian Peninsula. That's what we call it, the Arabian Peninsula. Um, there were, it was a pagan polytheistic society. Do you know what that means? Polytheistic, what does that mean? Yeah. More than one God. There were 360 gods that, these, that they worshipped, which is hard to do. I mean, just think about, like, there's one God, and you have a hard time worshiping him, right? And there's 360 of them. How do you do that justice? There's 365 days, one per day, skip five days for holiday. I don't know. Um, So it's pagan and polytheistic. Um, They were Arab people. Um, So this is where you were hitting on. Arabs are descendants of Ishmael, according to Arabs. So I don't have to qualify that. An Arab person will tell you that he's a direct descendant of Ishmael, the first son of Abraham. Abraham had two sons. First son was born with a servant. Her name was Hagar. She was from Egypt. And Ishmael was born to Hagar. That was not the son that God had, was telling Abraham he was going to have, and then he had Isaac, okay? Ishmael had, had, there's a lot of promises given to Ishmael in Genesis. You should read those. They're interesting. Um, the Arab people are descendant of Ishmael, and they'll tell you that, wholeheartedly tell you that. 
Um, the, the people in the Arabian Peninsula were warring tribes, okay? Constantly fighting one another, small tribes fighting all of the time. And th- let me center you in history. This is not pre-Christianity. This is not pre pretty much any other religion in the world. Um, this is 570 AD, okay? 570 years after zero, <laughs> the year zero, after the birth of Jesus. I mean, however you want to center yourself. 570 years after Jesus, this is what's going on in the Arabian Peninsula. There's tribes, and they're fighting with each other all the time, and they believe in 360 gods. But there are other people who live in the Arabian Peninsula. There's Jews who live in the Arabian Peninsula. There are Christians who are in the Arabian Peninsula. There are people called Zoroastrians. Have you heard of them before? Um, Zoroastrians, they believed also in one god, but God, their god is both good and evil. He has two sides. He's kind of split. Um, he, there's one God, but he, he, the, he's the source of good and evil. It's interesting. And then there was a, a group of people unique to the Arabian Peninsula who you've never heard of before. They're called the Hanifs. And the Hanifs, they said that they were, they worshiped only the God of Abraham, which is interesting, but it makes sense because they are direct descendants of Abraham. So they say, we only worship the God of Abraham, and there isn't a need for anyone to mediate between us and God. We can talk to God on our own. That's interesting. Yeah. What about the Kurds? That's more towards Turkey, and I'm not even sure when the Kurds as a tribe even began, but that is, in, they are in Iraq, um, but not as far south as Saudi Arabia. Okay, so what else is up here? Caravans. That's important. Is anybody riding a caravan to uh, school? Dodge caravan? Anyone? No one? No one? <laughs> yeah, the minivan. Anyone, anyone, any, anyone's parents have a Dodge caravan? No one? I thought that would be funny. You, anyway. Okay, so <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. So it's not the point at all. Um, I just thought it'd be funny if you did. Uh, okay, so there are, there are traveling caravans. And what caravans are, are there, there, there are groups of people who have goods to sell, and they go to other places, and they sell goods, and they buy goods, and they distribute goods. And that's how silk got from China to the Middle East and that kind of thing. Okay? Heard this stuff before? History class? Okay. All right. I told you about, okay. What's the next one? The Jahaliyyah, I believe. Okay, the Jahaliyyah. Two Ys right next to one another. Have you ever seen that in a word before? Heavens, no. Um, That's the way that we transliterate Arabic. The Jahaliyyah is called the age of ignorance, time of ignorance um, by by Muslims, okay? And that's their way of describing what was going on in the Arabian Peninsula prior to Muhammad, okay? It's the time of ignorance. And I want to kind of demonstrate something for you. So I need six volunteers to read. So you have to be able to read. Only three people that go to Eureka schools can, four, can read. Oh, that's more than peaking. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Come up here. All right, we're going to demonstrate the Jahaliyyah. I want you to come over here to the microphone-ish area, all of you. The microphonical area. I'm going to give five of you a sheet of paper, and one of you just has to have ears. Who has the worst reading skills up here? You. You are Muhammad, okay? There you go. You have to read my handwriting, sorry. Don't read the title, okay? There's a big title on your page, your sheet of paper. There's a big title. 
don't read that. But what I want you to do is we're gonna, I'm going to give you a minute. Now, Muhammad, this is Muhammad. Okay. What's your name? Lydia. Lydia is Muhammad for us. And she's just going to listen to what all of these people are saying. So I want you to look at Lydia and read, or you can stand out here. Would you stand out here? You read as loud as you can from the list of things on your paper over and over and over and over again until I say stop, okay? Does that make sense? Those are the rules. All at the same time. So you keep reading. You're reading on top of one another. You're listening. Nope, just listen. That's all you need to do. Isn't that great? You got the easy part. Okay, so when I say go, go, go. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You're doing good. Keep going. Yeah, it's not time yet. Longest minute of my life, too. Keep going. Time. Okay, stop. What did you hear? Okay, interesting. Anything else? Any names? Anything? Awesome. Thank you. Okay, sit down. I'll take the sheets of paper because these are really important to me. I cut them nice, except for that one. That one's garbage. <clears throat> okay, so you, through the, uh, the next week, you'll really understand why I had, the, had this. Thank you so much for doing that. That was great. Okay, so Muhammad heard from Hanif's the people who believe in one God, the God of Abraham, from Jews. This is Judaism, okay? Muhammad heard from Christians. Muhammad heard from pagans, the ones that worship 360 gods. And he heard from Zoroastrians. That's what they were reading. So they were reading things that all of those different groups of people believed. Now, Muhammad was the head of a caravan. So Muhammad interacted with all of these groups of people, and he lived in this time when there's all of these voices, and I think it's a very interesting picture. There's all of these voices telling what they believe, and what Muhammad heard is that there's one God and something about Moses, Abraham, and Jesus. That'll be very interesting. Hopefully we can just recapture that next week because that was really good. Okay, thank you so much. It works every time, by the way. You're not the first. It works every time. Okay, um, so let's get to Muhammad. Muhammad was born in 570 AD in the Arabian Peninsula um, into the Quraysh tribe. You can't say it. It's okay. Um, they're the richest tribe in the Arabian Peninsula, but he was the lowest in the richest tribe. He was an orphan. His father died. His mother died. His grandpa died. His uncle died. He was a super orphan, okay? 
Now, so being a, being super orphan, he was just kind of at the mercy of everyone in his own tribe. And he ended up marrying this woman at age 25. Her name is Khadija. That's how you say K-H together. Khadija. Um, sorry, first row. Um, you have lots of um, phlegm on the back of your hair now. Um, she was 40, and she ran a caravan, and she put Muhammad in charge of the caravan. So Muhammad went from the lowest to one of the most important in the tribe. And so he's traveling around, and he's interacting with people. Interesting thing, and this isn't really that important. I just think it's quasi-interesting. Khadija and Muhammad's wedding ceremony was performed by a Christian priest. That's weird. So kind of a Christian wedding. Um, at this point, Islam didn't exist, Okay. It hasn't happened yet. In 622 AD, so Muhammad is, what, 70 minus 20, ugh, I can't do that, 26, can anyone do the math? 52, is that even right? Is that 52? Anyway, yeah, I know, I said 622. Anyway, so um, I skipped stuff, that's why. <laughs> 610. In 610 AD, Muhammad receives his first revelation from God. It's in quotation marks. So he's in a cave, he's meditating, he's trying to search and find who God is, okay? And he receives a revelation. And what he reported to Khadija is that a dark, smoky thing came up from underneath him, and he started shivering and foaming at the mouth, and he was really scared. And so he goes home, and he tells Khadija about it. Now remember, Khadija might be a Christian. And He's like, I'm terrified of what happened to me in this cave. And Khadija says, maybe this is God telling you that, he's a pro- that you're a prophet. What? Um, and so this first revelation and all further revelations that Muhammad received um, were spoken aloud by him. And every single time he would start foaming at the mouth and shivering and he would ask people to cover him. And everything that he said after that was directly from God. Okay. And those things that Muhammad said were eventually written down in the Qur'an. The Qur'an means the recitation or something that was recited by the Prophet Muhammad. Okay? Um, 622. Um, He's persecuted in Mecca because what Muhammad is saying is that there's only one God. That's contrary to what everyone in Mecca believed, which is that there's 360 gods. So Muhammad's coming in with a really loud voice saying that God has made him a prophet, and he's saying there's only one God. And so the people, instead of saying, oh, awesome, that makes it a lot easier, said, you're crazy, and get out of our town. So he ran away um, to another town, and during that time, Islam grew, or there are more Muslims um, following after Muhammad and his teachings. Um, he finally conquered Mecca in 630 AD. So eight years after he was kicked out, he comes back with an army and he destroys the armies of all the other tribes. And he goes into the Kaaba, which I'll show you a picture of next week. It's this big structure. And what the pagans did is, is they, all of their gods, the 360 gods lived in this house. Okay. So the Kaaba means house and they go in and Moses, go, or Moses, that's funny. Muhammad goes in and he destroys all of the idols in, in the Kaaba and says there's only one God. It's a very symbolic thing that he does. It happens throughout history. Whenever one group's taking over another group, they destroy all of their gods. Um, and that's what Muhammad did. 
Um, so as people were converting to Islam, they were forced to speak Arabic, which is the language of the Quran. The Quran says, see this message that we give you in your Arabic tongue to you Arab people. So this is God, that's God speaking. So everyone had to speak Arabic and learn Arabic in order to be a Muslim when Muhammad would take over their tribe. Does that make sense? Okay. In 632, Muhammad died and was buried. Um, so I'm going to just, just share a few things that are positive that Muhammad accomplished so that you can have them in your brain because there's a lot of bad things. Um, some, I didn't give you all of the bad. I don't like giving all of the bad. There's tons of bad. You can read books about the bad. Um, you can go to the library, read all of the bad things about Muhammad. I'm going to tell you four, four good things, okay? There's tons of bad. I'm going to tell you four things that you can say that are positive about what Muhammad did. The first thing that he did is he united the warring tribes in the Arabian Peninsula under one god. Stopped fighting with one another because they were all part of one new tribe called Islam. That's good. Ending war is good. We like that. Um, he gave more rights to women. Emphasis on more. He didn't give abundant rights to women, but for what women had as rights during the time that Muhammad was alive, he gave more rights to them. He said they were worth one camel, and men were worth two, as opposed to like a half of a camel to two. Okay, so he elevated the status of women. I'm not joking about this. This is actually, I'm not, like, it is funny, but it's true. <laughs> um, not funny because it's true. Funny because it's true, actually. Um, he abolished idol worship, and he united everyone under the worship of one God. Now, I want, I want to say this as a positive thing, whatever you think about Allah and whether you think he's a different God or God is just God or whatever, um, uniting people that worship one God are a lot easier to talk to about God than people who believe in a ton of gods or that they are God or to believe in no God, okay? If you already have that foundation of you believe in God, so do I. Let's talk about God. Um, as opposed to you believe you're God, oh, oh. Good luck with that. You know, like you just walk away or I don't believe there is a God. Well, there is. No, there isn't. It's just an argument. But, but what Muhammad did is he united everyone under the worship of one God. And that's a huge area of commonality that we have that wouldn't, we wouldn't have had with these people if it weren't for him. And the last thing is he stopped the practice of infanticide. That's the killing of babies, usually uh, baby girls. Um, because they were viewed as less. Like I said, he elevated the rights of women. Um, if you had a baby girl and um, you didn't have enough to provide for that baby, um, she wasn't going to ever provide. She was just going to take. Okay, so girls were seen as takers. And what, what they would do is they would just dig a hole in the ground and put the baby in the, in the hole and then move the caravan somewhere else. They would just move away so they couldn't hear the cries in the desert. Muhammad said that was bad don't do that anymore. That's a good thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what is the Quran? I kind of told you a little bit. Um, there's a picture of one. It means the recitation. It's the word of God, according to Islam, it's the word of God revealed verse by verse through Muhammad. You probably call it the Quran. That's okay. Or the Quran, which I hear a lot. The Quran, which is something you color with. That's okay. You can call it that. Um, the book itself is considered to have power. What that means is if you do something bad to the book, something bad will happen to you. 
So you won't see a Quran on the floor. Okay? You, you will never see a Quran on the floor. It'll be on a pedestal such as this in a house, usually in a high spot, because it's viewed itself to have the power of God in the book itself. Okay? Um, some, emphasis on some, Muslims can read it and understand it. Most can't and don't. You can only read it in, you can only read it in Arabic. So if you don't speak Arabic, but you're a Muslim, say you're from Bangladesh, um, they speak Bengali there. Uh, it's a language. Uh, they don't read Arabic or speak Arabic. So they either have to learn how to read the, this alphabet that they don't understand and just read it, or not read it at all. Okay? You can only read the Quran in Arabic according to Islam. However, if you meet a Muslim, they'll likely give you an English version of the Quran. That's just because they want you to be a Muslim like them, because they probably love you. Um, think about this for a second. Now, this is a total tangent. It's not on my paper. So if you have a friend, a really good friend, and you want them to know Jesus, would you give them a Bible? Yeah. You say, hey, why don't you read John, maybe, or Matthew? Read about Jesus, and just look at what Jesus said. He was awesome. So if you are given a, a Quran by a Muslim who's your friend, it probably means they love you as much as you love them, and they want you to be a Muslim like them. It shouldn't be something to be afraid of. It should just be like, hey, I'm so glad that you love me this much that you want me to be like you. I'm probably not going to do that. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's a tangent. But anyway, just wanted to throw it out there. Um, there's another thing. It's called the Hadith. It's a collection of traditional sayings that Muhammad said. So if Muhammad said anything while he wasn't shivering and foaming at the mouth, it was all recorded um, 300 years later by different authors. Um, and these are the traditions of Muhammad. These, the Hadith guide how you live your life. So if you look at, try and give an example. Okay, so we have um, the red letters in the Bible, right? You have a red letter Bible with the, in the Gospels, red letters. Jesus is talking when the red letters are read. You have one of those Bibles? You're like looking at me like, is this guy even a Christian? Um, I should, probably should have started there. Yes, I'm a Christian. Um, you have red letters in your Bible. So <laughs> um, the red letters are the spoken words of Jesus. The black letters are all of the things that are written about Jesus that Jesus didn't say. The Hadith are the black letters to the red letters, which is the Quran. Does that make sense? Okay, so you have to kind of study these things together and really to, really to understand what the Quran is talking about. So imagine Muhammad is asked a question, and then he starts shaking, and he starts responding to the question in the Quran. You don't know the question, so you just are hearing a response to nothing. It's just a response. You can't understand what Muhammad's talking about in the Quran without reading the Hadith, which means it's almost impossible for any Muslim to really know what they believe. Just sad. Um... These were, like I said, they were written 300 years after Muhammad died, um, or at least collected and codified. Many were thrown out. There were over 10,000 hadith written by 10,000 different people by, the, by 300 years after Muhammad died. Is anyone, so what, what would happen is it would be so-and-so told so-and-so, told so-and-so, told so-and-so, told so-and-so, who was the cousin of the brother of the, the daughter-in-law of Muhammad's sister who heard Muhammad say this. 
And that's, that's how the Hadith goes, okay? So it's this long list of names, and you could just make up names and then just connect it to Muhammad, and it was true. And so what happened, now there's about, there's eight versions of the Hadith that are considered to be Sahih. Don't say that. This is Sahih al-Bukhari. This is the most um, revered, most trustworthy of the Hadith. But you can imagine, there's two things I want you to think about. The first um, is, I want to tell you, this isn't too dissimilar from what we have in the book of Genesis, which is written thousands of years after the creation story by Moses. Oral traditions. You have Thanksgiving dinner at your house. Okay, so imagine, do you have somebody in your family that tells the same story every year? Does that story stay the same? Some, some, of, it, some of it gets better, some of it's worse this time because he's kind of got a headache, but he's like, remember the time? That kind of thing. That's what these are. This is the remember the time when, this is remembering together what Muhammad may have done, okay? In the same way that Genesis is, remember the time when Abraham when God said to Abraham, Moses is writing all of these stories down, inspired by God. That's how it's different, the inspiration of God. But it's, it's a collection of oral traditions, things that people said, remember, remember, remember. That's what the Old Testament is. It's a remember, 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 never forget. Mahmoud, I'm going to tell you one story um, about the Hadith and the Quran interacting. So um, I was over at Mahmoud's house. Um, He's much younger than me. Uh, so he invited me over to, like, to spend the night um, at 10 p.m. Um, Arab men are different than all other men in the world. Um, he called me up and said, hey, Jeff, want to come over and hang out at 10 p.m.? Um, I had a job. I was like, this is how it, I do this a lot um, with my wife. So I, I'm like holding the phone, I'm like, it's Mahmoud, he wants me to come over. And like, I know, I love this guy, and I want him to love Jesus. So I want to do this, but it's 10 p.m. Um, so anyway, I go over to Mahmoud's house, because I'm a sucker. I rode in a taxi, and I go over there, and we're talking. And I said, Mahmoud, I read in, in one chapter of the Quran that, you're that Christians are great, and they should be my friend, and that we're the closest in heart. And then the next chapter, it says that you should avoid Christians and not be friends with them and don't trust them. What is going on there, Mahmoud? It doesn't make sense. It seems to contradict itself. And Mahmoud said, well, you have to understand when that was written. So the first was written during a time of peace, and the second was written during a time of war, something that I would never have known without Mahmoud. I would have just been like, this book is crazy because it's saying two different things. So Mahmoud said, during a time of peace, yeah, be friends with people that are similar to you, but during a time of war, be aware of everyone who's different from you. Okay, that seems sensible. So, I said to Mahmoud, what if America came and attacked Jordan? We would have no reason to do that, by the way. But if we, none at all. Um, if we did, are you my friend? Because that's different. So, and he didn't know how to respond. So the, the Quran told him, during a time of peace, be my friend, which it was. So I asked, during a time of war, are you my friend? And he didn't know how to respond. The Quran doesn't have an answer. The Hadith don't have an answer for that. He didn't know, but he knew he was my friend. 
So he's kind of like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, for the first 1,400 years that Christianity was a religion, not, not that long really, but since the Bible was written in Latin up until the printing press, okay, so for a really long time, 1,400 years, it's a really long time, um, you could only, you wouldn't own a Bible, like the priests had the Bible and they read it in Latin and then they told you what it meant because you didn't speak Latin, so say you are from Germany um, and you speak Germanic. Um, you would call it German, I know, but you speak Germanic. Let's just go with that. Um, and the priest is reading to you in Latin, and then the priest just tells you what he read. You didn't understand a word, and he's just like, this is what, it, what I said, and this is what it means. A lot of trust has to go into that relationship with that priest, right? You have to be like, this guy knows what he's talking about. If you don't trust him, then you probably aren't going to listen to him, right? This is the way that it is within Islam right now. So most Muslims don't, don't read Arabic, like I told you. So there are imams. These are the pastors. Imam is the pastor for Muslims. Imams read the Quran, will read it out loud, will sing it almost, and then they'll tell the people what they just said, which means they can say what they want. So what I want you to do first from tonight, the takeaway don't have one written down, so I'm just going to make one up, okay? Here's the takeaway. If you happen to run into a Muslim this week in Peoria, because um, you have a better chance in Peoria than you do in Eureka, um, have compassion on that person. Try to figure out a way in your heart to look at that person as someone who just doesn't know. <laughs> maybe doesn't know what they believe. Maybe just doesn't know what they need, changing your heart, replacing fear with love. Now, um, next week we're going to look at um, what Muslims believe and what they do, beliefs and practices that Muslims participate in. Um, we'll find a lot of similarities between us in that, but um, I just wanted to um, share this with you. I don't really have a, a really good way to close this out. It's a history class, you know? What do you do? Homework? Homework. Um, here's homework. Uh, tell your parents you want to go to Peoria this week, um, and you heard of this great place to eat um, called... No, Haddad's is owned by Christians. Um, the, uh, let's see, what is it called? Um, now I can't remember. There, not Touche. Yes, go to Touche. I work there. Um, but that's, I'm not a Muslim, so... Um, <laughs> um, I can't remember the name of the restaurant. There's a... Khana Khazana. Okay? It's owned by Muslims. Um, go there and just um, say, hey, um, that's your homework, uh, which you probably won't be able to accomplish because you don't drive. So, Nice. Not to Peoria, though. <laughs> awesome. Um, I want to I pray with you guys. Uh, we have, like, there's two minutes left on the, on, on the night. Three. Okay. Um, so let me pray. God, we thank you uh, for creating us very good, um, and I ask you that you will help us through the course of the next three weeks um, to figure out a way to um, replace fear that we might have in our hearts towards a strange group of people with love, so that when we do, 
encounter them, we decide to engage in a conversation as opposed to look with um, wariness um, towards the other. Um, I ask you that you help us become more loving people to everyone around us, regardless of whether they're Muslim or Christian or atheist or nothing or whatever. Um, and I just thank you for what you're going to do in, in the lives of these students as they go out of this place, out of Eureka, into the world, and, and what changes they're going to make. Um, thank you for everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.